0: I ate an Ewok's liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to um, maintain, uh, you know, some objectivity with this stuff. As I was thinking yesterday, you know, I am a huge Star Wars fan and I'm really into this shit. So I really don't want to come to, with this under the lens of bias. You know, I gave last week's episode a 7.5 out of 10. I said it was okay. A lot of people really didn't like it. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Oh, no, actually, that wasn't last week's episode. That was... Uh, the Last week's episode was good. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, episode 2. Uh, I gave 7.5 out of 10. Last week's episode was fucking amazing. And, um, I, again, I I, I want to... You know, say that as a pretense because I have been critical of Disney, but I got to be honest, this week's episode was another banger because not only did it act as a side story like the last episode did, but it also furthered the plot just like the last episode did. Now, again, of course, there's a bit of repetitiveness that you're going to get with that. This is what we're seeing so far. Mandalorian. Goes to a place, needs to obtain something, does a job for someone. You know, that is what this series is. He is a bounty hunter. And this is a Western, like people have said before. So this is how they were done. The side stories add to his character and and build to the story. And it, it creates this unconventional sort of series of story arcs that we go through. And uh, you see this done a lot in uh, Japanese anime, uh, particularly One Piece. One Piece is very known for uh, splitting its story up in arcs that kind of act as their own series, uh, but they still have an overflow of a main story. And I think that's what they're doing perfectly with this. So uh, this episode was directed by Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Karga. So... Uh, props to him because he was acting fucking amazing this episode and directing the whole thing at the same time, which, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm I, you know, I, I've seen, you know, people work on movie sets before. And yeah, th- that is extremely difficult. Um, it really did uh, give us more answers than we've ever gotten before, particularly. Um, about Baby Yoda, so I'll just jump right into it. So I knew we weren't going to see Ahsoka this week because I knew he was probably going to go uh, back to Navarro just so that uh, he could get his ship repaired. So we have a really, really uh, funny scene. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, um, and and my I'm getting more uh, in touch with my emotions. I, I think it's probably what it is. But I find like cute characters more cute. Like I think if I was 16 or 17. I might have found uh, Baby Yoda annoying, but I'm 21 and I'm going to be 22 soon. I I think he's adorable and I don't find him annoying at all. And I think he's clearly integral to the plot. And, you know, he does, he he is a very mysterious character. Like we don't know where the fuck he came from. So I'm not pissed off by Baby Yoda at all. So we got this brilliant scene where Baby Yoda goes into the back of the ship and has to try and essentially rewire uh, parts of the ship. And the Mando is trying to tell him, like, you have to put the blue wire where the red wire was, and you have to put the red wire where the blue wire was. But Baby Yoda is in the back of the ship, and he doesn't understand. And Mando can't reach back there, so Baby Yoda has to go into the back of the ship by himself. And he ends up electrocuting himself, which was a little funny, but he was okay. And And I love this scene, Because Mando says, are you okay? Are you fine? And he's like, all right, we're we're good. And what it felt like was, it kind of felt like a dad showing his son how to do something and the son accidentally screwing up and hurting himself. Like, you know, it it kind of reminded me of Clark Griswold showing uh, his son Rusty how to put the uh, Christmas lights up. If uh, anyone's ever seen the National Lampoon's movies. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so that was great. Uh, we get to Navarro, and uh, he lands the Razor Crest, and we find that Navarro has now become a uh, uh, a great uh, society, teeming with life. Now, uh, basically, Kara um, Dune is the new marshal, and Grief Karga uh, is, I guess, not the marshal, but he, he's sort of the leader of the town, and and they sort of look after the place together. Okay, goddammit, I fucking hate my audio. Thank- okay, we're back. Um, yeah, so they're kind of looking after the town on Navarro together, and it's teeming with life. So now Navarro is a happy place instead of you know some garbage shithole um planet where Mandalorians die while they're fighting the Empire. Um they take him through the town and you know he he lets them know what's going on. He he says, I've gotta find a Jedi you know, uh, but my ship needs repairs. And of course, you know, Grief Karga, uh, tells him, all right, well, you know, ship needs repairs. Why don't you do a little job for us? You're a bounty hunter after all. I uh, he agrees. So they take him into this room where we get reintroduced to another character from season one, uh, Mithril. And he was an alien, uh, from the first season that, uh, uh, Din froze in carbonite because there was a bounty on his head. And that's what they do when, you know, people have bounties on their heads. They put them in carbonite. But he's out of carbonite now, and he's working off his debt as a clerk in this town. Um, and uh, they need him. Um, and uh, they basically explained to Mando that they want to take over this abandoned, or not abandoned, but a small imperial base uh, on Navarro. Uh, because it's being operated by some of the troopers there. Now, they don't know that Moff Gideon is still alive because they thought he was killed in the the x Wayne crash in Season 1. So they don't know this, but they are still going to go to the base. So they tell uh, Mithril, uh, you know, if you come with us, you can help work off some of your bounty. And he agrees. Now, his character is kind of playing like the sort of funny awkward silly character but i didn't find him annoying i didn't particularly like him but i didn't find him annoying either you know he served his purpose he did what he needed to do when they told him to do it but at no point did he become a problem you know at no point is it like oh i can't fight properly i need someone to protect me or oh you know i i I tripped and i need someone to rescue me they didn't pull that cheesy bullshit which i i i appreciated. so He agrees to take this uh, Imperial base with them, which I just think is so fucking cool. Because, again, this this is like the lore of Star Wars that we read as kids. You know, all the books and the movies and the video games. But it's come to life now. It's not just—we're not just following the movies. We're exploring more of this universe. And I would never, ever in a million years think that we'd ever see a show about a, a Mandalorian who has to take over an Imperial base, much let alone find a Jedi. So the fact that this is even happening is just so cool to me. Um, So they actually leave Baby Yoda in a classroom on Navarro, which I thought was pretty cute. uh, Because uh, when he's in the classroom, uh, he actually uses the force to grab a pack of candy from a little boy who uh, was sitting next to him. And uh, again, another thing that they did in this episode, which I really appreciated, is Baby Yoda was not really in a compromised position. They put him in a place which was safe and secure, a classroom full of children and a protocol droid, you know, with hundreds of people around him to protect him in this village. You know, they don't, they didn't just fucking leave him uh, nowhere. Like that, that's what I hate about certain movies and TV shows is like, if there's a vulnerable character, like a small kid or someone who's injured, they always leave that person alone and then they die like, it's like, okay, wait here for 10 seconds, honey, while I go look after your sister. And then the murderer comes and kills them. I mean, that's mostly in horror movies, but it happens in action movies, too. Um, and, and that's just fucking cliche and stupid. Um, so uh, they get on a speeder, and they, they take off down towards um, uh, the Imperial base. And we get this uh, great shot of this canyon with uh, with the Imperial base at the top of the canyon and uh, all the rocks are black, and there's a small uh, lava trail uh, nearby. And and it was really, really cool. Um, and it kind of reminded me of Mustafar um, from Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, but with a little bit less lava. And I just thought the visuals in this episode were probably some of the best visuals we've ever seen, just those shots of the of the Imperial base alone and seeing uh, some of the dogfights later on, which I'll get into. Uh, this In terms of visuals, this m- might have had the best visuals of the entire series. So they get into the base, and uh, hawks, uh, locks, in, uh, hawks, um, hacks into uh, the, one of the controls, and they get into the elevator. The Mando actually goes to the top of the—or Din, I should call him. Din goes to the top of the base with his jetpack, grabs a stormtrooper and drops him uh out of the sky, which I thought was really cool because it's like, hey, <laughs> that's actually a pretty effective way to kill a stormtrooper because you're not wasting any uh you know blaster energy. You're just dropping him out of midair. <laughs> which I thought, you know, for a for a show that's rated PG 13, that it's pretty violent. You know, I mean I know they can't show blood or gore, but they, they, they show a lot. Like they show people getting stabbed and killed. So they hack into this door and they they're about to go up uh into the base, and here's where I thought it was going to get annoying. Mithril was like, "Oh, I don't want to come," and he's like, "Well, you have to come with us because the lava tide is going to come in and kill you if you don't." And he's like, "Oh, okay, fine." Um, that is where it had me worried. But again, like I mentioned before, at no point whatsoever. Did Mithral um devolve into oh you need to come help me with this oh you need to come help me with that no he 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 kept his cool and he kept his calm as they were infiltrating the base. So um, they keep um progressing further and further through the base and we see them killing stormtroopers and um getting into gunfights in the hallway, and they make it to this one. A uh, really uh, creepy looking room, which is like a laboratory. And inside of this laboratory, we see uh, kind of like test tube chambers with large fetuses inside of them. And this is where everybody is trying to make the uh, Emperor Palpatine Snoke connection. Because, you know, if, if you watch The Last Jedi, you know that Emperor Palpatine created Snoke using cloning. And, and also used cloning to bring himself back to life. So I don't know. One of the fetuses in the chamber kind of looked like Snoke a little bit. So maybe, I mean, the Emperor is still alive. As we know, he, he, he he's never died when Vader threw him down the shaft. Um, that sounded sexual. Um, but um, so I don't know if they're trying to clone Palpatine or if they're trying to make Snoke. And Palpatine's already kind of brought back to power, or both. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it, it has something to do with Snoke. Um, so after they look at the test tubes, they go into the holographic monitor. Uh, and the, uh, the monitor shows that uh, there was a message from the doctor. Uh, the, the doctor from season one who was taking care of Baby Yoda before Mando stole, stole him away and he said we've had several unsuccessful test subjects and we keep trying to bring them back to life by or or we keep trying to infuse them with blood but the subjects keep on dying because their m count is too low now I'm assuming m count star wars he's probably talking about midichlorians so he's saying the midichlorian count is too low and he needs more blood from the donor and if he's going to have to take more blood from the donor, the donor is going to die. And the donor of course is baby Yoda. And um, Din, after seeing this uh, recording immediately starts panicking and looks at Mithril and was like, I thought Mo- uh, Moff Gideon was dead. And Mithril says, no, it, it, Moff Gideon can't be dead. Cause this recording was from three days ago and he was uh, sending this message to Moff Gideon. And In that moment, Mando immediately realizes, oh shit, they're after Baby Yoda. They're going to kill him and take his blood for God knows what. So they actually do something smart. They decide to split up, which I actually thought was smart because Cara Dune actually says, okay, Mando, you go back to the village and you try and grab Baby Yoda uh, because you have the jetpack and it'll be faster that way, which was, again smart writing like it, it, it none of none of these stupid cliche things like if this were a bad tv show he would have you know just gone with them and not used his jetpack at all but but he did so the mando takes off using his jetpack uh he shoots a bunch of stormtroopers um and that scene was really really cool um flies off back to uh the town and so then we're left with uh, Cara Dune, Mythral, and um, Carl Weathers' character, uh, Grief Karga. Yeah, I keep forgetting his name. So they um, uh, are on their own without the Mando now, and they run down a hallway. And I love Gina Karana's acting in this scene because uh, Gina, uh, or sorry, Cara finds a uh, big Imperial uh, a vehicle, uh, basically like a large speeder um With guns on the outside so they get inside of this big like speeder tank thing and Cara Dune manages to hijack it and actually uh, Drive it off of a cliff and into the canyon and then we get this really cool scene where The stormtroopers are chasing after them with their speeders and they're shooting at the stormtroopers with the guns on this uh i i don't know what you would call this vehicle it's like a small dropship but it it it's not a flying dropship it it moves across the ground so you know they managed to kill all the stormtroopers on the speeders you know no big deal but then the tie fighters come after them and i really like uh another thing about the show is it it shows parts of star wars that we haven't seen before because um we actually see when the TIE Fighters land, their their wings sort of fold in half. And I don't think we ever saw that in the original movie. So we actually finally see how TIE Fighters land. Um, I, I think that was cool. Or maybe they're just different TIE Fighters. I have no fucking idea. Uh, and then the TIE Fighters come in. And Carl Weathers' character is in the seat. And again, I just find this amazing because he was in there shooting that gun and directing this episode at the same time. And Carl Weathers is trying to get a shot at these TIE Fighters that are coming after them. And he cannot get a clear shot at them. And then all of a sudden, the Razor Crest comes in. And it's been repaired uh, because Mando had it brought in for repairs. And he just guns down all of the TIE Fighters in a great aerial dogfight. It's basically like the dogfight we saw in epi- uh, the second episode. But except his engine didn't fail and he was a lot faster than the TIE fighters he blows them up uh in atmosphere and then he he looks over at baby Yoda and says are you okay and baby Yoda pukes a little from the motion sickness but then he giggles so um you know at this point I thought you know Mando was going to go back to the planet but you know Mando radios into Kara and a grief and she says all right thanks for helping me guys um you know I'm glad I could help, but me and uh, the kid got to get out of here. We got to go find Ahsoka. So they take off. And then we get the ending scene where we see a huge, and I mean huge, Imperial starship um, moving across space somewhere. Now, I don't know exactly where they were. It was just somewhere random in space. Um, but it, I've never seen an Imperial cruiser that looked like this one before. Um, it it definitely wasn't, um, not, not a venerator class from the old Republic era. I want it. I don't know. It's, it's definitely Imperial, but I've never seen it in a movie before. Maybe a comic. Um, and inside of the ship, Moff Gideon is talking to this officer and the officer, um, tells him off, Gideon actually no the officer gets on a a hologram and he talks to the mechanic who was fixing Mando's ship and apparently the mechanic was working for the imperial remnant and he put uh, a homing beacon on Mando's ship um throwback to when they put the homing beacon on uh Jango Fett's ship in Attack of the Clones I see what you did there um so yeah now the empire knows where they are and the officer goes into this room uh, with Moff Gideon and he tells Moff Gideon we have the location of the child. And Moff Gideon says, good, now we'll finally you know, have this over with and our mission will be accomplished. And we can bring the Empire back or some shit like that. And then we get a scene of these. Um, I don't know what these were, so maybe my listeners would know. But uh, in the room Moff Gideon was standing in as the episode ends we see uh, a bunch of what appear to be black robotic stormtroopers. So I'm guessing these are some form of battle droid that the uh, Empire has created. And we're probably gonna see that next episode. So my predictions for next episode, and that's the end of this one, we're definitely gonna see Ahsoka, uh, I think so. And um, we're probably going to see them fight uh, the Imperial Remnant and Moff Gideon, and we'll probably see them fight those uh, battle droids, or maybe, maybe we'll get another side adventure. I doubt it. Um, yeah, so this episode was directed by Carl Weathers, and he did a fantastic job it served the the, the overall story while acting as a side adventure just like the last episode and and it did feel a bit redundant at times but we got so much new content and we finally figured out we still figured out a ton of information about Baby Yoda, about that they're trying to do something with his blood to make clones, but we still don't know everything. We don't know what they're using it for. We think it might be connected to the Emperor. We have no idea. So I, I think this episode gave us a lot of mystery. It gave us a lot of action. And there was a lack of cliche uh, that I really appreciated but of course i i kind of did find a Mithril to be an annoying character although i know he's meant to be that way uh so overall i would give this episode uh I gotta give it a nine out of ten uh yeah it was great uh, a couple of minor things over there but visually narratively um they were totally on point so yeah i thought it was awesome Since this episode or this show, I should say, uh, pardon myself, is about Canada and Canadian culture to a certain extent, I thought we'd talk about some Canadian television news. Uh, Kenny Hotz is coming back with a new show uh, with his friend, good old Spenny, good old Spencer Rice. Uh, Yeah, the guys from Kenny versus Spenny. If anyone doesn't know what that is, I'll explain in a minute. But uh, Kenny versus Spenny, uh, the guys from that show, they are now returning to do another TV show, and it's called PAL Demic, which I thought is a pretty good name for a title. You know, PALs Pandemic, put it together. I watched the trailer, and it seems to be pretty funny. It seems to be essentially the same plot as Kenny versus Spenny. Minus the competition, so it's basically Kenny and Spenny working together, and they're actually trying to rekindle their friendship, um, as it seems so, in this documentary. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but ever since the show ended, Kenny and Spenny, you know, haven't really had a great relationship. They've been on and off throughout the years. They did a couple of tours together together. But it's it's been really hard for them working together because you know Kenny essentially fucking tortured Spenny on that show. He did horrible things to him. You know, made him made him wear a diaper and 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 crap himself in the diaper. You know, uh, had him chained up and whipped. You know, uh, made him smoke a, an excessive amount of marijuana one time. And another time, he even slipped uh, Spenny acid into his orange juice. So. Kenny is a psychopath, and everyone knows that, and he has been torturing Spenny for years. And Spenny is no angel either, you know. Spenny is not a particularly nice guy. He's very neurotic and kind of nasty, and even he will admit that. But at the end of the day, they still love each other, and they're still funny guys, and I think they're still good people at heart. They just do fucked up things for shock value. But it's, it's never gone so far you know, to the point where it's actually harming other people in a really serious way. Like, you know, they've they've never, you know, done anything that's exploitive or, you know, or anything like that. It's always been consensual, everything they've done throughout the show. But if you don't know what Kenny versus Spenny was, it was a show where it was about these two guys, Kenny and Spenny, and every week. Uh, or every episode, they would do a competition, and it would basically be the most fucked up competition you've ever heard of, or it would be a normal competition. Like one week, it would be who's the better basketball coach, and then another week, it would be you know who can produce more sperm, and that, you could imagine how how that went. Um, um, and the the point was, uh, whoever won the competition was the winner, and the loser had to suffer a humiliation. So it was pretty much 150% uh, shock value. Uh, That's what the show was. And it seems like that's what Paldemic is going to be. So if you're good into shock entertainment and sort of trashy comedy, I think that, uh, you know, this show is going to work for people like that. Now, here's why it also can't work. We are living in a society, and this is something I've talked about before, where, you know, people are getting increasingly more politically correct. There's people are more easily offended these days than they were. And Kenny versus Spenny was really offensive. So I'm wondering, are they going to have to tone it down a bit? Because I know the producers are going to want them to do that. Um, or are they gonna get in trouble? Because Kenny does not give a fuck. He still doesn't. and he will say literally anything. Like you he, he will make nothing is off limits to this guy. Uh, there is shit that, I mean, I've already talked about some pretty gross stuff he did so far, but that there is shit that he's done that I can't even say on this podcast because it'll probably get me taken down if I were to say it. Uh, not, again, nothing illegal but just fucking crazy. Um, in terms of the competitions and it was hilarious. I loved Kenny versus Spenny, but you know, I'm just wondering if, if a show goes that far for comedy is, is, is Paldemic even going to be successful in this type of environment? I mean, like Kenny literally flew a flag over a city with, a a, a, a flag on it, uh, on an, a, one of those little airplanes with a flag attached to it. And it said, I hate Jesus. That's what he did. <laughs> and I think that what might have been what got them actually canceled in the end. So when people tell me about this, I'm like, yeah, I'm excited for the show. But I just, I don't know if it has any legs to stand on anymore. Simply because of the area, or sorry, the era we live in. You know? And it's unfortunate. It sucks that it has to be that way. It sucks that we, you know, have to live in this world where we never, you know, will let anyone say anything offensive anymore. I mean, again, like I said before, if someone says something offensive, fucking just don't listen to them. It's not really that big of a deal. It's like, well, well, but what if they're excessively offensive? Again, just don't listen to them. You know, and again, there are limits. Like if you're going out and, and telling people to harm other people or, or telling people to break the law, that's horrible. But, you know, I just think people are too sensitive with jokes. I think mostly, yeah, that, that that's where the problem lies. I think it lies with um, um, jokes. I think just a lot of people can't take a joke anymore. Now, I, I don't know why that is. We have we can sit around all day and say, oh, well, maybe because people were coddled when they grew up or maybe people are suffering from mental illness. I don't know. I think the reality is that we are we're living in a society where everyone is kind of more in, in touch with their emotions than they used to be. And that is a good thing, I think, in the end. But that can also lead down the rabbit hole of, well, I'm just letting my emotions go astray and I'm not even going to think logically anymore. And that can lead to hypersensitivity where you're just at the point where you are just complaining about things for the sake of complaining. Like, I hate this. I hate that. This offends me. This, this offends me. And every you, you literally can't walk out of your house without you know getting offended by something. And it just seems kind of silly to me. So having, you know, taken all that into consideration, I think Paldemic is going to do quite well, but I think it's going to have some problems along the way. That's uh, just what I think, based off of our current climate One movie franchise that is also really controversial is the Transformers franchise, because a lot of people think that they're pretty good and a lot of people think that they're shit. Most people think that the Transformers movies are shit. Um, I am kind of in the middle of the road when it comes to those films. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the Transformers comic books. I think they're really underrated. Uh, A lot of people seem to think that they're for kids, which some of them definitely are. Uh, but most of them are written for adults. Um, I have one called uh, Transformers Autocracy, and that one is uh, very political and has a lot of action, but is extremely political. And it basically tells the origins of uh, the war on Cybertron between the Autobots and Decepticons. And it, it's not it's not kiddie at, at all. It's it's not even like the movies. It's very dark, very serious, not. Uh, hokey whatsoever. It's a great series. And I feel like with some of the Transformers movies, they did that pretty well, and the others they didn't do well. Uh, Here's my thoughts on the franchise. Transformers 1, awesome, fantastic, super funny, action-packed, had a couple of stupid moments, like, you know, Megan Fox was just there to look hot and didn't really do anything But, you know, what can you do? Um, You know, I, If if, but um, despite all that, it was a pretty good movie, you know. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Michael Bay um, is sexist because he basically just uh, paraded uh, what's her name around Megan Fox around to just look hot. And, you know, yeah, I'm not going to deny it yet. I mean, I guess it was sexist, and he probably shouldn't have done that. It was pretty bad. But um, the movie was uh, still a pretty good movie. I I think Transformers 1 was good. Um, Yeah. Again, I I don't approve of them just using (laughs) Megan Fox as an object, but um, it was a good movie. And I I think they did try with her. You know, it wasn't just pure, like, uh, oh, she's just eye candy. That's just something you got to deal with in the Hollywood, uh, you know, landscape, I guess. Uh, Second Transformers movie, didn't really like it. uh, Looking back on it now, not really funny. Action was okay. Uh, Third one was very good. And uh, I thought it was uh, probably the best Transformers movie. It really went into the lore really well. And uh, after that, I thought they were just all shit. So I thought the first Transformers movie and the third one were really, really good films. Uh, Besides those just stupid Hollywood cliches. Um, But I just thought the rest of it was a a shitty franchise. The reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Caple Jr., who uh, directed Creed 2, is now directing the next film in the series. And I think this is fantastic. Because I remember going to see Creed 2 and being absolutely just blown away by... Um, what he was able to do with a boxing movie. Because I'm usually just not into sports movies, but he made that film so engaging, even for a guy who just is not interested in in boxing. And the way he continued the the Rocky franchise uh, and changed it while still honoring it, I thought was amazing. So I think, you know, if he does that with Transformers, I think... This guy knows how to honor previous established source material. Then he did that with Rocky, and now he's doing that with Transformers. So I I think that this is a fantastic choice. And I think we're finally... I never saw Bumblebee, but this is going to be the next film in the Transformers reboot series. I believe Bumblebee was the first one. And... Um, I'm on board with this Um, they're going back to the old Transformers designs they're not no longer going to look like how they did in the original movies they're actually going to look like how they did in the comic books like the actual like robots like blocky robots like I love their design in the comic books I don't like it in the movies There's too many little too many little parts to the Transformers they look so much cooler when they're smooth and sleek. and yeah, I think this is fantastic. I think they're taking a franchise and just completely turning it around on itself. And I think that's great. I think it's fantastic. And I think we're finally going to get a Transformers movie that brings us the action and also a good amount of depths of story. Oh, so that is going to be it for today. I'm um, feeling pretty good despite uh, COVID, all things considered. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well in their personal lives. Uh, I sure am. Um, you know, I'm still able to uh, work my job. Um, however, there is still some restrictions involving my job. So, um, you know, times are tough and I, I'm not making as much money as I normally would, but I'm still uh, very lucky to be in a position where I can make money. Um, so I'm doing very good. Um, I help hope I know everyone else out there is, is kind of, um, might be in a position where they can't work. So I just want to say, I, I feel for you. And I hope that, you know, if you do have a job that is in essential services, you can, you know, find a way to stay safe. Cause I'm lucky enough to have a job. Um, where and again I can't say what it is, but I'm lucky enough to have a job where I'm still able to work. And I know that other people aren't having that. And I just want to say my heart goes out to you. So I hope everyone stays safe. I hope everyone stays fine. Um I did got some movie commentaries coming. I did a full commentary of Love and Other Drugs. It's about twenty-four minutes long. Uh looking pretty good. So yeah, that's gonna come in the future. Bye-bye.